No matter what's happening in our lives, He is faithful and He is good. Amen? It goes like this, starting in verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. I sought the Lord and He heard me and He delivered me from all my fears. Every one of them. Every one of them. Verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in Him. Oh, fear the Lord, you His saints. There is no want to those who fear Him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, we just come before You. We worship You for Your goodness. Lord, we come today to taste and see that you are good. Father, show us more of you today. Transform our lives as we enter into your presence. We give you all the honor and the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship. We magnify Jesus this morning. Church, when we come into worship, when we open our mouths and we sing, we are realigning our hearts. We're bringing our hearts into submission under the vastness of who he is. It prepares the way. It prepares the way to receive the the supernatural impartation of grace that floods our hearts and our spirits, that comes and meets us in our hurt and our sin, comes to rescue us comes to partner with us, comes to reach his hand down and pull us up, strengthen us, encourage us, where discouragement has taken hold. Worship, church, realigns our hearts to the Savior. We worship because he is worthy. We worship because he is worthy. We worship Jesus because he is worthy of all of our praise. And when we sing that song, we bring you this offering. The offering that we bring him is ourselves. We bring ourselves into his presence. We lay ourselves, our hearts, our souls, our lives before him. And we lift up a sacrifice of praise and worship because he is worthy. And in his presence, our faith is strengthened. So when the word of God comes, it comes in power. It comes in power mighty for the tearing down of strongholds, for the, for, the, for, for sight to be given. There's nothing I pray for more than God open my eyes to see what I need to see, to see as you see. In worship, our hearts are, are um, they're shored up. They're made, they're made, um, they're brought into alignment with faith so that when the word comes, it comes with power. So this morning, as we come to the table of communion, we're going to continue to worship. You know, worship is this service from beginning to end. Just so you guys know that. Worship is communion. It is the word. As you come to the table of communion, the plate in the center is gluten-free. 
you guys are going to, you're going to, I'm going to release you from your seats and you're going to come down the aisle and you're going to um, pick up your, your juice and your cracker and they're stacked on one another. So the cup with the crackers on the bottom and the juice is on top. So you're going to pick that up and you're going to circle back to your seats uh, and hold on to your elements. Pastor Andy's going to come up and we're just going to take communion together. We're going to stay in his presence. We're going to receive from heaven this morning. So go ahead. I release you to, to get your elements. Good morning, everyone. Um, this is, communion is always, I think, my favorite time of our Sundays together. And uh, last night, instead of trying to find out what the Lord wanted me to say today, I just said, Lord, just show me what you want me to talk about whenever you want. And so I woke up this morning with a song, and um, I don't know why it was there. So I was like, God, why is this song in my head? It's from a DJ that I really enjoy. And uh, the song is called Move On, or Moving On. I'm going to read the lyrics to the song. It's not a long song. If you listen to a lot of uh, electronic music, there's usually not many words in the songs. Um, And I'm going to read a passage of scripture. And this phrase, moving on, um, I think it's so adequate for communion and what Jesus wanted us to do. Uh, This song goes like this. It says, he starts off with just a phrase. I don't know if that's really what I want anymore. Then he says, I feel you whisper to me that it's time to move on. And it's hard to let go when I've held on for so long. Then he says, I'm not going to hold on when you say to go. I know to trust like I didn't before. When have you led astray? I will not turn away. He says it again. I'm not going to hold on when you say to go. I know to trust like I didn't before. When have you led astray? I will not turn away moving on. I'm going to go to Philippians 3. I'm going to read a number of verses here. Verse uh, 3, 7 through 14. Paul says this, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss. For the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, And count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him. It says that I may know him. This is what Paul wanted above all things. To know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, If by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. That's all he wanted. He wanted to know Jesus in the deepest ways, including his sufferings, including his death. He wanted to be one with him in every way possible. And then he says, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. 
Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching toward, reaching forward to the things which are ahead. He's moving on. Moving on from his past, moving on from his sins, looking to Jesus, to his death, and the price that he paid for us. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So this morning, as we partake in communion, what is the Lord asking you to move on from? Is it a sin in your life that you repent and then you go back to it and you just keep thinking about it and, and pondering it and looking backwards? I looked up... Uh, you know, the story of Lot and his wife, as they left Sodom and Gomorrah, they made it to the town of Zoar. And then it says that she looked back and she turned into a pillar of salt when she looked back. What are the things that the Lord is asking you to move on from? That's all I keep hearing him to say this morning in your life. What is the fear that keeps gripping you? Maybe he's telling you to move on from something in your life other than just a sin. Maybe he's saying it's time for you to step into the calling of God, the calling that he has for you. Maybe it's something else. I don't know. But this morning as we partake, let us focus on moving on from our past, moving on from the ways of this world, and identifying with Christ, with his death for us, identifying, like Paul said, with his sufferings, that we may know him. Because Jesus died so that way we could move on, forward, into all that he has for us, to be one with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He wants us to be one with him. In light of all of the universe, the size of it, the magnitude of it, we're smaller than the smallest atom. And yet God created us to be one with him, the one who holds all of it. So let us move on this morning. Paul says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take and eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake of the bread and move forward with him. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let us drink together. Before we move on into this next song, just everybody close your eyes. This next song is called Make Room.
and we're going to make room. We're going to make space for him this morning. And I want all of us to think about the things right now. Ask him, what do you want me to move on from? And as we worship him, let him just speak to you and move you into the place that you're supposed to be. In your heart, in your mind, in your emotions, what do you need to let go of as you make room, as you make space for him? Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, and we thank you so much for sending your son to die for us, that we can be one with you through his blood, through his death, and through his resurrection. We don't take it lightly, Father. We thank you that we can have this time together to be one with you and one with each other in your blood, looking to know you above all things. And we ask you to show us the things you want us to move on from and follow you in deeper, Lord. In Jesus' name. If you're in the habit of raising your hands to the Lord, or if you're not, I just encourage you right now to just open up your palms to the Lord. You can do it low. You can do it high. But I love that this is my surrender. When people surrender to the police, they do this. Palms out. I surrender. Don't hurt me. When we surrender to to God, we have palms open because he doesn't force us. He is the goodness of God that brings our hearts into repentance. It is the love of God that draws us into his presence and into his arms. And he speaks to us, church, and he just says, trust me. Trust me. Those things that you're concerned about, those things that you're worried about. And yes, my child is worry. You are worried. Am I not good? Do I not see what you see? Do you think that you see more than what I see? Do I not love my church? Do I not love my people more than you love my people? The Lord God would say this morning, lay down your cares. Lay down and put aside your striving, says the Lord. Your faith will be seen in the peace with which you walk in trusting me. There is peace in my presence, says the Lord this morning. Thank you, Father. God, we trust you this morning. We surrender to you, God, everything that we've held on tightly to. We trust you, God. We trust you this morning, Lord God, with our marriages. You see more than we see, God. We trust you, God. This morning, God, we trust you with our ministries. God, you see more than we see. We trust you with our ministries, with the ministry of this church, the ministry of this body of believers. God, we trust you. We trust your timing. We trust your provision. We trust your vision. We trust the people that you bring into leadership. We trust the people you bring into partnership. We trust you with our ministries. 
We trust you this morning, God, and we surrender to you with our children. We trust you, God. We trust you with our children, with their very lives, God, with their protection, God, but with most of all, with their calling. God, with your hand and your hold on their heart, God, we trust you. God, we trust you. We release to you this morning our future, our plans, our hopes, our dreams, our callings, Lord God, we lay them down. And we trust you this morning. We surrender them to you, God. We say, let it be unto us according to your word. Let it be unto us according to your will. God, we lay down our will this morning regarding our futures, regarding our future plans, regarding our future dreams, regarding our future callings. God, and we stand here with you this morning in the now, in today, and we receive your grace God, your daily bread, we receive your grace for today. We stand in your presence for today. We receive healing today, God. We receive provision today, God. And we trust you with our future. We trust you, Jesus. We surrender to you, God. We trust you. We trust you, God. We trust you with our finances. God, we trust you with our finances today. We trust you today, God, that every bill is paid, Lord, that every debt is wiped away, God. We trust you, God, that you will give us wisdom. You will give us understanding, God. Father, we will rest. We will rest and we will not worry, God, because we trust in you, because you are the faithful one. Father, you are the provider. You are our savior. You are our keeper. God, we trust you with every care this morning because you care for us. Jesus, we trust you this morning and we surrender all. We lay it down, God. We either lay it down here at the altar or we lift it up to you in our seats, God. We lift it up to you with open hands. And we we unload our burdens to you this morning, God. And we will do your word. We will take upon us your burden. We will take upon your yoke because it is easy. And it is light. Father, we trust you because you are good. You are humble and you are are lowly in spirit, God. Because even you, Jesus, even you, the Son of God, as you walked on this earth, God, you depended on your Father, Jesus. You depended on your Father, God. We depend on you this morning. We depend on you this morning, God. Pastor Jason, you want to come up? Just one thing to add as we close this time of worship. The Lord said this morning, he said, look up the names that the Bible calls me. And I think it's fitting to read them now because it's ending. When we're laying this stuff down, when we're giving it, who are we really giving it to? We're giving it to Yahweh. And I'm not going to read all the Hebrew, but let me tell you the English version of all the names of the Lord. The Lord God Almighty. The Most High God, Lord and Master, Lord Jehovah, the Lord my banner, the Lord my shepherd, the Lord that heals, the Lord is here, the Lord our righteousness, the Lord who sanctifies us, the everlasting God, a jealous God, a Lord that will provide, the Lord is peace, the Lord of hosts. So it's with that, Lord, (laughs) we give you glory, Lord. All of it, all the worthy, all the honor goes to who you are, for you are good and faithful. We worship you, and we thank you. Amen. Amen.
Praise God. I'm leaving here this morning lighter than when I came in. Praise God. He's the burden busting. He's in the The burden burden busting busting business. Thank you, Jesus. Say that fast three times. Thank you, Jesus. So you don't have to. I'm not going to try. <laughs> well, praise God. If you're a guest here with us this morning, we welcome you. Um, we're always so happy to worship the Lord and come into his presence uh, with you. If this is your first time, on the back of the seats, there's a connection card. It's honestly, it's a card that lets us know that you were here. If you give us your email, um, we'll send you out a welcome email that'll connect you uh, to information to our website. If you don't, we'll, be, we'll give thanks that you worshiped with us and we'll pray for you uh, just having your name and that you're first-time guest. Um, uh, but we welcome you this morning. That card goes in the offering buckets. The offering buckets, they, they live up here on a Sunday morning during the break. We take about eight minutes to fellowship, to use the bathroom, to take the kids to ministry or to go to Kid Corner and get some stuff for the kids. So the offering buckets are up here. If you have your tithes and offerings this morning or connection card, uh, bring it up. Bring it up joyfully this morning and, um, and give it to the Lord. Uh, lastly, if Kid, Kid Corner, ECF Kids, you know, you know where to go. Uh, if you're a guest and you, you have a child zero to three, our nursery is open and staffed. It's out these doors to the right. If you have a child ages, I always have to think about this, four, five, and six, our ECF Littles ministry is also out the door to the right. That classroom is there. Miss Jenny um, just loves her time with the kids, and the kids love their time with Miss Jenny each week. Um, also, uh, those are our two ministries. If you have a child ages seven and up, we have Kid Corner. So Kid Corner has Book Borrow, where parents and kids can just borrow books during service or before and after. Um, these are great books that you're not going to find at the library. They're beautiful books with really great, solid doctrine in them, beautiful blessings and scripture. You're not going to be able to borrow those at the library. So as a parent, I would look at them and be like, oh, I'm going to get this for my home, but I can preview it at church. We have sermon notes um, for kids. This is for like seven through sixth grade. Um, those are for kids to write on and take home. And then we also have a bag um, with just crayons, little toys, things to keep their hands busy while their ears are open. Okay, so they can, they can hear the word and they can keep their hands busy. So that's over in Kid Corner. That's ages seven through sixth grade. Um, and last is family room. The family room's across the lobby. If as a family you need to step out, it's a great place to hang. Is that all? Did I get it all? All right, guys, let's greet one another, and we're going to meet back here in exactly eight minutes. All right, church family, a couple of announcements for us this morning. Uh, First is there is a worship night this Friday. Starts at 7 p.m. here in the sanctuary. Uh, If you... If you've been here all summer, you know we've been meeting every Friday night for summer nights. It's been fun. We had our last one this past Friday. It was huge. It was great. I wasn't prepared. It had gotten, like attendance had gotten, we started out around 60, and that was awesome, right? And then it went to, you know, like 50s, and it hung there for a while, and then it got down to like 40s. So the last one, I'm at Wegmans. I'm like, Jason, I'm just going to buy 50 burgers, okay, because it's been getting smaller. He's like, yeah, you might want to do 60. It's like, well, I want the fresh ones. They come in packs of 20. I'll just do 75. Every last burger 
was gone. And then the one latecomer, I fed her some, some lunch meat sandwiches. So we, we had it covered. We had it covered. It was great. That is what family is. You come, you dig in the fridge when you need to dig in the fridge, you make it work. But wow, what a great summer of fellowship that we had. Um, summer nights is for everybody. You know, there's lots of kids running around and it's great for families because of that, but it's for everybody. We loved having the spirited sisters come the past two weeks, man. Yeah, they are spirited. They add like a whole dynamic of life to the whole atmosphere. I love it. So as an extension of summer nights, if you've been coming every Friday or some Fridays to summer nights, then you can come this Friday to worship night. It's going to be a great time. Sid has wonderfully posted on Facebook a little bit about what a worship night is. What is the goal of worship night? What is she and the team, what, are, what is their heart? What are they working toward with the Lord um, when they're doing it? If you haven't seen it on Facebook, you can go use the bathroom because and the back of the, of the stall door is the paper. <laughs> so it's there for you to read. <laughs> or else check it out on Facebook. That's this Friday at 7 p.m. I encourage you to come and worship. All right, uh, next, soap donation. We are co- still collecting the Roma soap, um, that specific kind. This is for the Erie City Mission. This has become the Erie Christian Fellowship Mission to bless the city mission. It's not flashy, but it is appreciated and it's valuable. Um, It is a one pound bag. You can drop it off at the table. It says in the church lobby, but it really is, the table for it is really just through the foyer doors across the lobby where the family room is. On the other side is a table where is our missions area. So while you're dropping off your soap, you can also look at the board and look at all the missionaries that you support by supporting our church. Um, We give to them each month. They're out there reaching the world for Jesus. And we had Pastor Melody here last week talking to us about what she's doing. What she's doing, we're doing. You, You get that, right? Like, you get that. What she's doing, we're doing. I take such great comfort in that by being faithful with our finances and faithful to this body. Um, we are reaching the world, and I get to be the mom and Pastor Liz, while Pastor Melody gets to go out and do all that traveling. I say no, thank you. All right, last, um, so that's soap. Last announcement is Luciano Group is tonight at 6.30 here in the sanctuary. Um, Great time of teaching. It starts at 6.30. It is open to everyone. Um, I don't know, how long does it last? About an hour and a half? Hour? About an hour. About an hour. So that's 6.30 tonight here in the sanctuary. Uh, Great teaching. Come on out for it. All right. We're going to uh, pray over our tithes and offerings here. I've got a a scripture. And I I just want you guys all to know that as a church, we are believing wholeheartedly that we're going to be debt free in 2023. And I don't say that lightly. Uh, we've been tracking kind of how the Lord's been paying off our debt. We are now under a million dollars of debt. We took down another square just a few weeks ago. And the Lord told us that kind of, this was years ago, maybe almost three and a half years ago, that that was when we would be debt free. And so I don't, I'm not moved by the number that I st- still see left. I know that God is going to work and he's going to, he is faithful to those things. In fact, when I wrote it down on my notes to say it, I felt like the, the enemy say, you really want to say that? You really want to say that? That we'll be debt free in 2023. 
And because I'm putting that word out there, the enemy tried to have me not say it. And I wrote it in my notes, and now I'm putting it, I put it big and bold. Church, we are going to be debt-free in 2023. Come on, church. We are going to be debt-free in 2023. And I think what the enemy doesn't want is he doesn't want me to say it because he doesn't want me to put that in because our words have power and our words have life. And that was spoken to us, and then it was confirmed by multiple people who had no idea, including one guy sitting over here, who had no idea that that was even the date or the time in which the Lord had spoke to us about almost four years ago. So I'm standing firm on that. Yeah, we didn't make it up because it rhymes, although it is catchy. It is catchy because, you know, 2023, debt-free, you know, we get all those rhyming words together. Uh, and I'll give you some acronyms today. We're going to have a lot of fun with words today. However, what I am saying is I truly believe that is the case. And I want to thank all of you who partner with us in that. This is above and beyond our tithes and offerings. It's called Building Fund. And if you want to participate and partner with us uh, above and beyond your tithes, you just write a number there as you're giving, however the Lord leads you. And just believe with us that that is an activation in your life as well. Not only are you partnering with us and the church to see that, but I believe there's activation for financial blessing and freedom in your life as well as we do that. Amen? Amen. Deuteronomy 28, verse 12. The Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give the rain to your land and its season, and to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations but you shall not borrow. Amen? I'm done borrowing from Northwest Savings Bank. You know, I like them. I like uh, our bankers, and they're all great, and they work with us, but I'll tell you what, I'm done lending to them in Jesus' name. Amen? We're going to be the lender, not the borrower. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for every gift, every giver, Lord. We thank you for these tithes, these offerings, Lord. We thank you for your word and your faithfulness, that when you speak a word, it does come to pass. And so, Father, we stand on that word, Lord. We just thank you, Lord, that those time frames are not ours, but yours, Lord. And, Lord, you are the one who does the work. And so, Father, we just give you all the honor and the praise for this. So we thank you for every bill that's paid, Father God, in this church's congregation, Father, and all their families' lives, Lord, and at the church itself. And, Father, as we get into your word today, that you would lead us and guide us, Lord, that our ears would be open to hear and our eyes would see what you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, uh, open your Bibles with me. Uh, go ahead to Matthew 4 and just kind of bookmark that for a little bit. We'll, we'll get there in just a few minutes. Uh, but for those who uh, have not been here the past couple weeks, we are doing a series called Spiritual Disciplines of Abstinence. Woo! Spiritual Disciplines of Abstinence. And so what we had done earlier in the year, we, had, we did Spiritual Disciplines of Action. And boy, that was one of the best sermon series. Everybody loved that. You guys loved me during that series because I wasn't giving you a whole lot of hard things to do. I'm like, worship more. You're like, yeah, I can worship more. This is great. You know, how about read the word more? Yeah, let's read the word more. So all these spiritual disciplines of action, you guys all loved it. Well, now we're in the spiritual disciplines of abstinence. And there's, right? And you guys love it, but it's hard. It's hard because we are flesh, yeah? But we are who, we're not really flesh, are we? We are spirits, and we live in a body. And so the Bible trains us and teaches us that we need to put our flesh aside. Sometimes, a lot of the time, most of the time, how about all the time? And what we have is we have these challenges in our life and these things that the Bible teaches us on abstinence of doing Sabbath, of slowing 
of stopping, of fasting. You're like all the stuff that, yeah, but I want to do. I want to do more. I want to do more. And many times in our life, he's telling us to whoop, slow down a second. Stop just for a minute. So what is a discipline? I, I defined it last week. I won't get into it much because we're talking about spiritual disciplines. We know what the spirit is. What is a discipline? It's training that corrects, molds, perfects the mental faculties or moral character. It's something that is done over and over that it becomes a part of your life. It's a discipline that you do. It takes like 30 days or something like that to create it. Or you, you have to do it over and over and over again in order that it actually becomes part of your life. And I believe that as the Lord is calling us into this series, he's asking us to do some of these things or all of them. You ask the Lord what he's asking you to do in your life to do these on a consistent basis that it actually will begin to transform our life. Because the, at the end of the day, the goal is to be led by the spirit man and not by the flesh. That's what this series is all about. To be able to be led by the spirit man and not by the flesh. So what is abstinence? Abstinence is this, and this is a great definition of it. It's the fact or practice of restraining oneself from indulging in something. We live in a culture that wants to indulge. It tells you it's okay to indulge in all kinds of things, right? I mean, how about if you're watching a show on Netflix or Prime Video, the next show will start without you having to touch a button. Come on, everybody knows. So there was some designer back there saying, you know what, how we can get them to watch more of this is so that they can sit down in their bed or on their couch and we'll restart the next show and they don't have to touch a button. In fact, we'll even skip the intro and the credits and get right into the, right into the show. And so what happens is, is this world is designed so that we will indulge our flesh over and over and over. Whether it be getting the food we want as fast as we want it. Let's just door dash it real quick because I really, really want a pizza right now. It's, it's, everything is instant. Everything's easy. Everything's quick. And the Lord, I believe, is calling the church and us at large to say, it's time to stop. It's time to not let our flesh lead our lives. Now, church, I'm preaching to myself. Because I was laughing, I don't know who I was talking to, one of my kids. Of anyone in my family, I might be the one most likely to be led by my flesh. Because when I'm hungry, I'm hangry. Like my physical body controls too much of my emotions, my attitude, how I feel, all of it. Is anybody in that camp with me? And all the guys are raising their hand, right? I'm just kidding. I know it's men and women, not over, created differently. But for whatever reason, the boys in our house, I won't mention any names, there's only two of us. Uh, the boys in our house, man, we are like controlled by our, like the physical needs of our bodies. Man, I got these ladies walking around, they are hurting, they're painful. You know, a ballet girl who's got, you know, like all these feet that are in pain and she doesn't complain at all. Man, I got like a scratch on me. Like for weeks, I'm complaining. I was like, have you seen this scratch? It doesn't look like it's getting any better. What's the matter with this scratch? I wonder if it's infected. Has anybody put any tea? Where's the tea tree oil? Because essential oils fix everything. Where is the tea tree oil so I can put it on? Right? And so I, I laugh at that, and it's funny. But what I've been realizing the Lord has been showing me is I am way too controlled by my flesh. Way too controlled by my, what I want, what I think I need versus what God is actually asking me to do 
and what he wants from my life. The key scripture verse for this series is out of Psalm 46. You don't have to turn there. We're going to get into Matthew 4 in just a little bit. The key verse for all of these uh, spiritual disciplines of absence is this, is be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. And it's interesting that the writer of this psalm didn't do it the other way. He didn't say, know that I am God and then be still. Because that's what we would like, right? You know, the Lord kind of arrests our attention sometimes. And he does that sometimes. He gets our attention. We talked about stopping last week. And what does that mean? And what does that look like? But sometimes he gets our attention. But really what the Bible is saying is he wants us to slow down. He wants us to pause. He wants us to stop. He wants to say, let's put the flesh aside for a second. And know that I am God. And we talked about all those verses of who God, or the names of God, which is amazing. But look, it continues. It says, so that I will be exalted among the nations, and I will be exalted in the earth. Verse 11, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Be still and know that's our God. He's never left us. He has never forsaken us. He is always with us. And so I think a lot of times this pausing or this stopping is to remind us and remember of who he is and his faithfulness in our life. So some of these spiritual disciplines of absence that we've been talking about, we did stop uh, last week, like this stopping. And there was two different weeks we did it on. You can go listen to the podcast uh, or on the website later. Stopping as a practice or pausing. And then stopping when God actually like stops you for a season or a period of life. And then how do we wait? How do we wait during that time? Some of the other ones we'll get to are silence and solitude, slowing and Sabbath. I love somebody posted on Facebook, when we do the one for solitude, can we all just meet, at, meet in our own homes? So it was an introverted person, obviously, was making that post, right? And then in silence, no, we're not going to have Becky just sign language the entire service and not me not say anything. But we, I do want to teach you guys what that looks like and what Jesus did in those things. But today we're going to talk about this word, this self-restraint. And the reason why I picked that one for this week is this idea of fasting and putting aside something for a period of time was one of the actions from last week. So if it was an action of what I do while I'm waiting on God, when I'm waiting for a miracle, while I'm waiting for the next step, for what, as I'm waiting and this moving on, said, so how do I do that? One of the ways that we can do that, one of the ways we do it is by fasting. So fasting, a definition of fasting is this, is abstaining from all or some kinds of food or drink. And I'll tell you, I think I mentioned this already, God is really working me on this. And I think there, here's what I love about fasting. And I'm going to talk... I'll, I'll, I'll mention, there are other things you can fast, but I think the Bible way of fasting, I think maybe there was one instance where they didn't fast food or some kind of drink, but the majority of fasting really involves food or drink. It really involves taking our flesh and putting it as a physical body. Now, in today's world, you know, we've expanded that, and the Bible was written, there was no Netflix and Prime Video, right, and Hulu or Disney Plus or all the stuff. Right? There was none of that stuff, and so we've kind of added fasting to be like technology fast or this kind of fast. And there's nothing absolutely, there's nothing wrong with that. But the majority of the biblical fasting of what we're talking about is this abstaining from some kind of food or drink. And here's what I love about the Lord. 
You know that he never calls us to go do something that's going to harm us. I'm going to say that again. Maybe you didn't hear me. He never calls to do something that's going to harm. It may feel painful. It may be agonizing at some point in time. But at the end of the day, there are benefits that he has for us when he calls to go do some of these things that he's asking us to go do. This abstinence is not fun. There's not a lot of fun going on with abstinence. And all the married people said, yeah, you get it, right? There's, where, there's no fun in the abstinence. That, that word is difficult for us as Americans, as people, as flesh and blood to be able to go do. But fasting, look at this. Fasting, the definite, confirms our utter dependence upon God by finding in him a source of sustenance, of nutrition, of what we need in this life beyond food. Beyond food. And we as a church, you know, we do a 21-day fast beginning of January. And most of you are looking at me saying, guys, Pastor Jason, it's not January. Why are you talking about fasting? Where in the Bible does it say you have to fast for 21 days only in January? Doesn't. We, he has called us to live a fasted life. We have to continuously work to put our flesh under. And if, if it's a discipline, it means it has to happen a lot. And guess what? January for 21 days is not a lot. It's not often enough to really put our flesh where it needs to be in our life. But here's what I love about God. There are so many benefits from fasting in the physical realm, not just the, not just the spiritual realm. And as I was preparing this, and if you can look it up, look, if you are pregnant or nursing, you know, you just re do some research before fasting, a bunch of things. Or if you're on medication, I get it. Go, you know, do your research. That's fine. I encourage that. But here's what I was thinking about on fasting. You ever watch a commercial when they talk about some kind of pill that's out there that's going to help your blood pressure or this or that, and then they give you all the side effects at the end? And if you take this pill, you may incur one or all of the following, right? It is just like death, like, you know, dismemberment, pain, ache. You'll be in the bathroom all the time. Like, duh, 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 duh. you're like, holy cow, why on earth would I want to go take this pill? But here's what I love about God and about fasting is the benefits of fasting physically are that long, but they're all good. <laughs> they're all good. So what, he, what the Lord is so beautiful doing is like, hey, I want you to fast and, and stop doing certain things for a certain period of time of food or drink, and I want you to seek me spiritually, and not only are you going to grow in the spirit, you're actually going to come out of it healthier physically. Like, who does that? He does that. There's nothing else that can do that, but only God. Amen? He's the one who does that. He's the one who makes these side benefits, as I'll call them, amazing. And we don't when we're talking about spiritual fasting, we're not fasting in order for the physical benefit. We're fasting for the spiritual benefit, but we get the physical benefit that comes along with it. Amen? Which is what I love. So the Bible, again, I said this, mostly shows fasting with food and drink. If you look at Jesus, look at Daniel, you look at Esther, you look at all these different things. Really, a fasted life, he's calling us to give something up for a period of time. And here's what I love, because Jesus did this, and he went through this. Is in this world, we will have trouble, but take heart, he has overcome them all. And it may feel like when we're fasting, like it is trouble, it is challenging and difficult, but he has overcome it all. And Galatians 5, 16 says this. Now this is Paul. Again, you don't have to turn there. You can write down the scripture verse. Here is Paul talking about the battle that you and I face 
on a daily basis. This is a battle that we face on a daily basis. There is a battle between the flesh and the spirit. It's constantly, I and mean, Paul's talking about it. The Apostle Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He is telling us he, in him himself, he personally has this challenge. So if he has it, and Jesus fasted, how many of you think that maybe it's something we ought to think about doing more than just in January? Yeah. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Ugh, the lust of the flesh, the flesh just wants more, 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 more. For the flesh lusts against the spirit. It actually, the, the lusting of the flesh is actually contrary to our spirit man. And when you know Jesus, when you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior on the inside, it's the flesh who's trying to come against that. It comes against it. And the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. So that you do not do the things you wish. Oh. Lord, help us all, yeah? Verse 18. But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. We have to be led by the Spirit, which means we got to get our flesh in control. So, one more scripture here, Romans 7. Again, this is Paul talking about his challenges here that he has. It says this. I'm going to try to read this without, without messing it up, and you'll be reading with me, so you'll know if I do. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to do will is present with me, but how to perform... What is good, I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the, but the evil I will, I will not to do, that I practice. Right? Now, how many of us feel that way? It's like, I don't want to do that, but I keep doing it. I don't want to do that, but I keep doing it. And so we have to live a fasted life to, to put our flesh where it needs to be, which is in the back seat. It's in the back seat. Our driver needs to be our spirit man. And if I do... If I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but that sin that dwells in me. And what it's saying is this fasting actually helps us conquer sin in our life. It's like, you know, we, we have like, you know, we do a counseling session, we do this or we do that. I don't think I've ever recommended somebody to fast in order to beat or conquer sin in their life. But I think I'm going to start doing that from here on out. Because this is saying is what it's doing is it's, it's it is realigning our spirit man to be in control of our body to say, I now have control over these lustly desires and flesh. And maybe all of you all know that truth already, but I just found this out. <laughs> and so when we have this sin in our life and we can't seem to beat it and we're praying and we're praying and we're praying, many times God is saying, I'm asking you to do something about it. You say, but I'm trying not to look. I'm trying not to do that. I'm trying not to pick it up. And he said, well, your flesh is still in control, my son or daughter. Your flesh is still in control. And he's calling us to live a fasted life where we put our spirit man in control. Okay, let's look at Jesus' life. Matthew 4, I know you're there. All being very patient, thank you. Matthew 4, starting in verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Hold on a second. What? Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He was, he, Jesus actually knew there was going to be these temptations coming. He was led there. He knew that it was coming. He actually was led into the wilderness to say, guess what? There is going to be some pretty big time temptations coming in your life. 
How many of you know that there are pretty big time temptations coming in our lives? If you didn't know it, I'm here to tell you. They're coming. Because they come from the enemy. The, the word says that God cannot tempt, but the enemy is the one who brings these temptations in our life. Verse 2. And, then, and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Okay, yeah, afterward he was hungry. But here's the point. He knew temptation was coming. He knew a challenge was coming. And he went to the wilderness and what did he do? He fasted. He knew something was coming that was going to be such a challenge, such hard work, so many that he had this, this, this moment in his life that was coming, an event. How many of you have an event that's coming or a decision that's coming or something that's coming up in your life and you know it's a big deal or you're getting tempted every time you go to work? You have all these challenges in your life. Well, if you know they are coming, Jesus sets the example here for us. If you know temptation is coming, which we all should know, he says, why don't you go fast? Jesus goes and fasts for 40 days and 40 nights. Afterward, he was hungry. I bet he was. But if you notice, watch what happens here. So the key point, key point here, through fasting, Jesus' flesh was weak. He's hungry. I don't know about you, I've never done a 40-day fast, but I can imagine after a four-hour fast, that's where I'm at, don't judge me. Don't judge me. I'm at four hours. Y'all might be at four days. Congratulations. Okay, I'm working with you. I'm preaching to myself. Through fasting, Jesus' flesh was weak, but his spirit was strong. The thing that mattered most was strong. The thing that mattered most to be ready for the temptation in his life was strong. How do I know this? Verse 3. Now when the tempter came to him, mm, here he comes, here he comes, he said, Lowercase h. Mm -hmm. He is below. He is lowercase h. He is uppercase h. I don't know where that came from. Yes. But the enemy, him, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. Because you are hungry. That's not in there. That was me. That these stones become bread. Verse 4. But Jesus, capital H, he answered and said, it is written... Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Dude, he's hungry. 40 days, he's so hungry. I just make that rock into a piece of bread, man. If I could do it, man, this would be incredible. I'm so hungry. But he says, uh uh uh. uh. Jesus was tempted in three different ways. In this first one, he was tempted physically. He was tempted physically, and what did he do? He fought back with the word. He was tempted physically, and he fought back with the word. Well, do you think, did he have a Bible with him? I don't know. But here's what I do know. Well, of course, the New Testament wasn't written yet, so maybe he had the Old Testament with him. But here's what I know, is the word of God is what came right out of his mouth. It was the first thing that happened after the temptation hit. Why? Because he fasted for 40 days. Because he fasted, because he was prepared, and his spirit man was the one in control, he could look at the enemy, he could look at the tempter and say, uh-uh, let me tell you what the word of God says. The very first response out of his mouth is the word of God. Let's move on. Does this just happen once? No. Then the devil took him up into the, whole, verse 5, into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, 
and said to him, Ah, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, Satan is quoting scripture. In case you missed that, that's a whole other sermon series we'll do or a message later. We think that he's stupid. He's not. Okay, we'll talk about that later. Okay. For it is written, he shall give angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. And Jesus said to him, what's he ready to do? The word of God again. It is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. He was tempted physically, and now he's tempted emotionally, basically. These are the same temptations we have in our lives. Do you know that? That when Jesus walked this earth, he faced everything that you and I face. So he got tempted physically. He got tempted emotionally. And how did he fight back? Because his spirit man was in control. He fought back with the word. What is the word? The word of God is the sword. And he had it ready. He had it on his tongue, ready to respond each time. Questioning God's love for me. Oh, throw yourself down. What's going to happen? You know, all this stuff. He's testing him Tempting him emotionally. And what did Jesus do? He fought back with the word. Let's look at it. He does it three times. Again, verse 8. The devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Do you know that it's not a true temptation unless he couldn't offer it? This was something that the enemy could offer. And many times in our lives, we have to be careful because he offers up to us things. I'm telling you, there are people that have made agreements with the devil. And I'm not going to mention names because I don't know who they are. But you can see things that are happening in their life, whether it's power or control or these things that they have attained because of an agreement with the enemy. And this is legit. This is where this comes from. Verse 10, and, and Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written... You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. So he was tempted here. I was going to say power, but really it was spiritually to have this power of a spiritual realm, to have this power and control over things, and he wanted to try to tempt him and say, look, you go ahead. This can be all you. But what did Jesus do? He fought back with the word. Every one of us will be tempted physically, emotionally, and spiritually, We'll be tempted with lust and flesh and all the things. And we have to have our bodies in a place where they are second to our spirit man. Second to our spirit man. So what was the result? Verse 11. Here's the result of this whole episode. Then the devil left him. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and ministered to him. So he did his part, he fought his battle, and, and God was, just began to minister to him after. Because what the Bible says, when we resist the devil, what happens? He flees. When we resist the devil, he flees. So the result? Victory over temptation. How many of you want some victory over temptation in our lives? Amen. I'm with you. I'm raising my hand too, which means we have to live a fasted life. So what do we, okay, Pastor Jason, thank you so much. This is great. I'm going to leave here, but I have no idea what to do. Glad you came. Stick around a little longer. We're going to tell you exactly what to do. Uh, and I'm going to skip ahead to kind of towards the end here. I want to kind of end with this because, you know, we've had some very powerful testimonies of fasting in our life and doing this. And I'm not going to go through all of them, but I want to say this, is that in the beginning of 2022, the Lord really spoke to me. He really spoke to me, and he told me, he says, that my value, 
He told me this. I wrote it down. My value does not come from what I do or how well I do it. But my value is based on being a son of God. That came from a time of fasting. You know how bad I needed to hear that at the time? Because my flesh wanted to think this or drive this or my emotions or all this other stuff wanted to be. But the Lord, as I was fasting, he said, hold on a second, son. I love you for who you are and who I created you to be. Your value doesn't come because you preach or you have a big family or any of this other stuff. Your value comes because you are my son. Period. How many of us want those types of words from the Lord? Amen. So what do we do? How do we do this? Let's wrap this up with some practical things. Number one, when do we fast? When do we fast? We put some ideas up here. You can take a picture of us. You don't have to write all the words down if you want. I'll smile for your picture if you're taking photos. Okay, good. Okay, uh, so when do we, I don't know why I'm like this today. I'm just, this is good. When do we fast? I believe the Lord is calling us to fast regularly, not just in January for 21 days. And there are times when we do it as a church family, but I'm telling you, we need to fast whenever the Lord tells us to do it. And I would begin to set up, hey, I'm going to do this kind of fast for these couple months, or this I'm going to do this week. And you begin to set the plans, and he will direct your paths. And I would also say, and we've done this in our own life, when you are facing uncertain times, or a big decision, or the pro-con list, or all this stuff, and you've got to make some major life decision in your life and what you need to go do, I would highly recommend fasting leading up to that decision. Because what fasting does is it puts the spirit man in charge, it puts the flesh behind, so all of our thoughts of what we think, how it's going to turn out, how we think it's all going to play out, the best financial decision, obviously, is to continue to work at GE for the rest of your life. Executive compensation, pension, 401k, millions of dollars. Obviously, that's the right decision to make. <laughs> that's not the decision the Lord had us make. Well, we made the decision, but the Lord led us to something different, something better. But on paper, that decision for us would have been like, well, that's obviously the right thing to go do. But when we pray and we fast and we seek the Lord, he may lead you in a, different, in a way that is contrary, contrary. Jim, I see you shaking your head back there. He has led people contrary to what the world's wisdom would say, this is what you should go do. But that only comes when we begin to put our flesh behind us. Because you know how our minds go, right? And look, God gives us a mind. Please use your mind. You know, that's a whole other message, right? But use your mind. He's given it to you for a reason, and we can use it. But it cannot be the person in control. It cannot be the person in control. So we fast regularly whenever the church does it together with us, whenever God says when you're facing uncertain times. So how do we do this? How do we do this? As every good preacher is, I came up with an acronym for the word fast. Mm-hmm. And I called it the Ackerman Acronym. Okay, so if you need to say that a couple times fast, it will truly mess you up. You will not, you just start saying Ackerman, 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 Ackerman. You won't even be able to get to the acronym from the Ackerman. But either way, here's what we're going to do. So the F, what does the F mean? The F means that we need to find what it is God is asking us to fast. You got to ask him. Well, Pastor Jason, I heard him say food. I heard him say drink. 
I heard Netflix. I, heard, I don't know what it is for you. I don't know what it is that he is asking you to fast. But I believe that he is asking and calling us to live a fasted life. Not even just this week. But understanding the spiritual discipline of absence that we have to go do on a regular basis. So what is it that he's asking you to give up, to put aside? One of the questions you got to ask yourself, what has so much control over me that I feel like I need it in order to make it through? That might be what he's asking you to fast. And the Lord says to me, coffee. Caffeine. Yes, coffee. I'll get to that in a minute. So fasting, we have to find it. We have to find what it is that he's asking us to go fast. A, what does the A mean? A is the alternative. What will you do in place of it? This is so key because you can't fast Netflix and just watch Prime Video and feel like you've been successful, right? I'm going to fast movies, but I'm going to binge a show, which is not a movie, right? I mean, it doesn't matter, right? I get it's funny, but it's what we do, right? So here for me, I'm going to fast coffee and then drink highly caffeinated drinks all through the day. No, 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 he's actually called me to fast the caffeine because I'm becoming too dependent on it. So you don't substitute coffee with, you know, some Coke that's highly caffeinated. That doesn't work. That's not what he's asking you to go do. So what is the alternative? What will you do in place of it? If you're fasting lunch for a week, putting it aside, what will you do during that time? Stare at other people while they eat? Not recommended. Now, if you really want to, now, that's like, that's like serious fasting, right? That's like, you know, going to work and going, like going into the, the, the break room and being like, I'm going to fast. I'm just going to stare at everybody while they eat their sandwiches, right? That's crazy. That's crazy. But, I mean, maybe you could try to do that at some point. But I wouldn't suggest starting there. I would suggest finding an alternative. Something, you know what? I'm going to go out for a walk in the parking lot at my job. I'm just going to pray a little bit. I'm going to walk around the parking lot and pray. Or I'm going to pick up the scriptures and I'm going to read, you know, just one psalm over lunchtime instead of eating. Because a lot of times it's good. We have to distract ourselves a little bit because our flesh wants it so bad that we have to sometimes put it aside. So what's the alternative that we're going to go do? What is it? We've got to pick something out. Then the S is to seek. We need to seek him in this. We're not seeking to get something out of this. We're seeking to get our spirit man in, back in control of our life where he needs to be. And so then I begin to write down, what am I believing for? Write it down. If you're going to seek him in something, then write down what you're believing for. I have a journal. I'll write stuff down in a journal. I have a note on my phone. I think I've told you this. It's like 20 pages now. If you would print it out, single-sided, I think. But it's all this stuff that through times of seeking him that the Lord has spoken to me personally. That's not for you. That was for me. But he's got 20 pages of stuff he wants to tell you as well. I know it as much as I'm standing here. But unless we stop, unless we slow down, unless we are still and know that he is God, and we begin to put our flesh behind our spirit man and our spirit man in control, when we do that, we begin to hear what he has for us. So this S is to seek him. What are we believing God for in this situation? Maybe it's that circumstance that's coming up. You need an answer. Lord, I'm believing that you'll give us an answer. And you just begin to seek him. And believe it or not, time after time after time, God provides the answer and the direction and the peace to go along with it because we're seeking him in it. And then the T, the T is just time. How long are you going to do it for? 
Is it two days, one day? Is it just once? Is it, you know, all year? Is it whatever it is? Asking, Lord, how long is God asking you to do this? And here's what I would say, based on experience. Start small. Don't go into the 40-day fast starting tonight. Okay? Uh, back when uh, George W. Bush was running against Al Gore, uh, I had decided that it would be advantageous to fast immediately for basically as long as I could do starting in the morning uh, with zero preparation of that. And I ended up on the office floor. I was still at GE at the time. I was literally sick on the office floor, laying there, dizzy. I mean, I couldn't even, I couldn't even breathe. I, I had to call Liz to come pick me up because I decided to go right in all the way immediately into a, this crazy fast that my body was not ready for. So I would say, get some wins, yeah? Isn't it good to get a win sometimes in our life? Like, hey, you know what? This week, I'm going to fast lunch once. And then next week, I'm going to fast lunch twice. And then the following week, I'm going to do it three times, right? And we begin to build up this, this fasted life, this life of putting the flesh behind us whenever we need to. Whenever we realize that the flesh is getting out of control. And when we have our spirit man built up that way, we're able to do that. Amen? Amen. Grace, come on up here. Let's, we're going to close out this morning. Just, if everybody could just bow your heads and close your eyes for a minute. The coming weeks we'll talk about silence and solitude and all those things. But I just really want to pray for you all, including myself, this morning on strengthening us to give us this ability to live a fasted life, to live a life of self-restraint, of being able to say no to things that really aren't good for us, that the Lord's asking us to stop doing. So, Father, we just come to you this morning. Lord, we... We thank you, Lord, that your word teaches us and shows us and leads us and guides us. And Father, we just, we do, even though it's hard, we thank you, Lord, that there are certain things in our life that we need to stop doing, that we need to put away for a period of time, that you've called us to fast. We thank you for the side benefits that come with it, Lord, but most of all, as we do it, we just, we want our spirit man to be in control of this life that we're living. And so, Lord, we just seek you as a church, as a congregation, as families, as individuals. Lord, will you show us, even now as I pray, will you show us, Lord, what it is you're asking us to begin fasting? Lord, will you show us the alternative you're asking us to go do when we set aside this thing for a period of time? And Lord, we stand on your word that says that you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. And that when we seek, you will be found. And that when we are still we will know that you are God. So we stand on those verses today. 
as we seek you in this fasted life you're calling us to live. And Lord, that you would continue to reveal to us the time frame in which you want us to do, Lord, and that it would not be something we do just once a year or periodically, Lord, but you would strengthen us to make this a spiritual discipline in our life. That we would regularly do this to honor you and to put our flesh in its rightful place. And we thank you, Lord, that you are strengthening us day by day, that you never leave us and forsake us, and you'll be here to help us through this entire journey, Lord, that we call life. So everyone's head continued to be bowed and eyes closed. I just want to ask a question this morning. If you're here this morning, you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of redemption. That this Jesus we've been talking about is real. And he died for our sins. And he rose from the grave and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's interceding for you. And he loves you. And he cares for you. And he wants you to be a part of his family. So if that's you this morning, if you've never made that decision, everyone's, no one's looking around, just slip your hand up this morning. I want to pray with you this morning if that's you. I don't normally do this, but keep your eyes closed. If you are at a place in your life right now where you are just walking You feel like you're walking away from God. Now, he's always with you. But if you are just not living the life in the spiritual realm, and you feel like you've walked away from the Lord, and you've just rejected some of his love and the things he's trying to do in your life, and you're just saying this morning, Lord, I'm sorry. I want to know you more. I want to know you more. And I'm making a decision this morning to turn away from the things of the world and turn towards you. You Maybe already you've accepted Jesus, but this is just kind of a call to turn our hearts back to him. If that's you this morning, just slip your hand up. I'm not going to ask you to come up here. I'm just going to pray with you. Thank you. I see your hand. You can put it down. Anyone else? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just thank you for the courage for those who raised their hand this morning. Lord, lead them and guide them back to you so gently and beautifully as you do. Father, encourage them, lead them, guide them as their heart is turned towards you and away from the things of this world. We thank you for it in your precious name we pray. Amen? Amen. Okay, we're going to close service. We're going to have some prayer teams up here that will be able to pray with you. If you need prayer for anything, healing, relationship, a challenge, an upcoming decision, whatever it is, there will be a couple teams up here that can pray for you. And as they come up, I'm going to read this benediction. 2 Corinthians 9 says this, But this I say, He who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. So let each one give in the purpose of heart, not grudging of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. So let us go this week, cheerfully give of our time and our effort 
and our energy to be a light unto this world. In your precious name we pray. Amen? Amen. Have a great afternoon. Love you guys.